and welcome to the first ever episode of a brand new podcast. You haven't seen that? Uh, my name is Chris. I'm Eric. And this is a brand new podcast series in which we're going to take a little bit of time and uh, look at some old films. Very specific old films. Yeah, so the idea came about because um, as a kid I, I watched a lot of films that were out at the time. I watched my Space Jams and my Jumanji's and stuff. But going through primary school, I was always an eldest child, so there were heaps and heaps of 80s movies and early 90s movies and stuff that I completely missed out on, and I always felt like I just was kind of... almost didn't belong (laughs) in some childhood conversations. So, um, yeah, Chris and I were talking about this and thought, perfect, this is a good chance for... Yeah, over the years there's been like the constant conversation of like, you know, random films coming up and uh, just in conversations and it would always inevitably end with, wait, you you haven't seen that, you haven't seen that one, what do you mean you haven't seen Die Hard? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, I was, I just nod and agree and when pop culture jokes are made I just kind of laugh in the corner a little bit. (laughs) And understand, think, pretend I understood what Simpsons references meant and things like that. Hmm. So the aim of this podcast, like Eric said, is we're going to sit down and kind of go through all of these classic 80s and 90s films that he missed uh, seeing in his uh, more formative days. <laughs> That's correct. Um, so, yeah, we had a bit of a think. We've, we've made quite a list. Um, but we thought the perfect one I, I personally felt to start off with. Uh, when I was in primary school... Um, Every other boy my age freaking loved Top Gun. Like, loved it. (laughs) The the 1986 Tony Scott film that kind of really shot... I mean, it it reinvigorated the the 80s action film and kind of almost helped to reinvent how those type of films can be presented. Kind of was a mega hit for... It was really the... Maybe the second big, big film for... Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, that production duo, and of course was the massive film that made Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. Yeah, like, I mean, as an Australian growing up, Tom Cruise was married to Nicole Kidman, and he was, like, super cool or something. (laughs) He was Jerry Maguire. (laughs) Showing the money. Um, But, yeah, so for me, he'd been around forever, but I'd never seen him in in Top Gun, of course, and I had some mates who loved planes, and I, I quite like planes too and stuff, and, yeah, they loved their Tomcats, and... Shouting, I've got missile lock and things like that. <laughs> so is that, do you reckon, based off of having seen the film? Yeah. Like, that's where that... They both had older brothers, um, who also I knew loved that kind of stuff. And um, one of them wanted to be a pilot. Yeah. Like, genuinely wanted to be a pilot. So the film worked. The film, <laughs> yeah, definitely worked. Um, so, yeah, so that was one of those ones that definitely a lot of kids my age still referenced, even in the early, like, early 90s and still loved even though it was, you know, six, seven years old by that stage. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I never, never saw that. Yeah, it, it was one I I remember seeing on VHS, like, probably when I was maybe six or so, six or seven, maybe. Um, I, I have a weird relationship with this film in that um, I knew Hot Shots before I knew Top Gun. I'm actually in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, my 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 mum is was weird in the sense that like she we had taped off of TV a copy of Hot Shots with like yeah, all the yeah. old eighties ads and everything happening. Um, so this would have been like ninety two or something. Sounds yeah, right. yeah. And I was obs- obsessed and loved that movie, and then eventually saw 
maybe, you know, I think because of that, yeah. saw Top Gun and was like, it's, it's fine, it's no hot shots. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's it's a, it's an unintentional hot shots in some points, which is yeah. Sad. Whereas scary movie and scream don't quite have the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That same it's like a literal thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's a film that I think I I probably enjoyed as a kid. Um, it's not one that I had really fond memories of. There, mm. I I kind of leaned more towards the other Tom Cruise, Tony Scott film, Days of Thunder. That that one was my jam, and still to this day is. <laughs> and that, that could be another one on the list further down the track, because yeah. it's also on my haven't-seen-it list. Hmm. <laughs> but yes, I think you, you it was a good choice to pick this film, because it is such a kind of atypical 80s action film. So iconic. I mean, people who haven't seen it know Danger Zone so well. Oh, God, you know, I've yeah. got the need, the need for speed. Was... Everybody knows Maverick, Goose, and Iceman, even if you don't even know what the hell people are talking about. Y- you like... were saying, like, when it happened, you're like, oh, yeah, I knew Goose died. <laughs> like, yeah, like, even... I, I know the entire alert, plot, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I knew half of it already just because it, it's it's that big in popular culture. Um and Tom Cruise, of course, is so massive. I mean, he, he still is in a way, I guess, but he was he was really a big thing in a good way, in a yeah. really good way, um, well, like, right, when we were kids. Yeah, I, I still, he's an actor. He's I, still a good actor. Really, ever since the Oprah incident, yeah, that, the jumping on that weirdness and all the Scientology stuff, like, he, I think he is legitimately a, one of the last true old style movie stars. Yeah. It's, it's almost like Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, like, there's very few traditional Hollywood movie stars that are left. They can bridge the gap between acting uh, like a, a serious role. Probably the other two a little bit better than Tom. Um, but then they can also just be A-list stars and be in like Ocean's Eleven and things like that. Exactly. And they, they appeal to the masses whilst also being, once again, the others probably more so. Um, and in my opinion, probably Brad's, Brad's number one. But um, being actually genuine, really good, <laughs> good actors. Actor. Yeah. The, um, Brad Pitt at his best is incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking into Tom Cruise's IMDb last week because um, I, I went and saw American Made, the new film that he's in about you know drug running and stuff for the CIA, and I was like, uh, how many movies has Tom Cruise? He's, I I thought like you know he's a movie mm. star. He's been in you know sixty seventy movies, yeah. forty. He's not actually been in that much, and he's. It seems like he's an actor that actually considers and tries to choose carefully what he wants to do. Yeah, which I like. Obviously, Top Gun is very much in that camp of, like... Because he was coming off of, um... Like, he kind of had a little bit of prominence. He'd done uh, Losing It, which is a really interesting teen movie. I think... I want to say directed by Rob Reiner, but I could be wrong. Could be mistaken that with <laughs> The Sure Thing or something. But then he'd done Risky Business, which yep. kind of started to establish him. And I, that's a great film. Mm. Um... But then, you know, showed the dramatic chops with all the right moves. And weirdly, the film that he had made right before this one was Legend, which is a very interesting kind of Ridley Scott film, actually. Oh. Tony's brother. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a weird kind of fantasy movie with Tom, oh, with Tim Curry as the devil and stuff. Like, it's. Of course. A, a bizarre kind of <laughs> fantasy film that doesn't necessarily hold up. It's a massive cult movie. So. He hadn't really done anything massive at this point, and so it was. This was the film that kind of made Tom Cruise big. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, yeah, yeah. the 
the like one of the biggest hottest items, I guess. Yeah, you like looking at his IMDb after this. It was he did the Color of Money for Martin Scorsese in the same year. Mm. So, but then immediately it's like Cocktail, Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, <laughs> A Few Good Men. Like he, that's when he really, and that was when we were, you know, at nineteen ninety two, ninety three, and stuff. Like we were seven, eight years old. Oh yeah, like. That's... Yeah, when Tom Cruise was just on the front of everything, and you were at the age where mainstream stuff was what you were really seeing, and yeah, Top Top Gun was massive. Um, so, so I yeah. guess at, at this point, should we jump into the actual film itself and our impressions of it? Uh, Thirty years later, yeah. Like, uh, how do we want to approach this? Do we want to like get your opinion of it, like what you would have thought as a kid yeah. first? Or I think I could give that fairly. I reckon as a kid. I wanted to see the film. Uh, I had friends who were into the film, and I think I probably would have freaking loved it. Is there any particular reason you think you didn't see it as a kid? Uh, just my parents just didn't. We didn't. We went to films at the time that were at the cinemas, but we didn't do a lot of like watchbacks or anything like that. Yeah, we watched movies that were on TV. I guess they weren't really big into action films and stuff. Um, so, and also I had two younger sisters as well. I don't know. So this just, it, it's like a nice, need to get something that's a consensus for yeah, the whole family. Yeah, the, the whole yeah. family kind of thing. I was just the oldest kid and I didn't care that much either. Like I couldn't, I wasn't that fussed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it just, they, they, it wasn't something they pushed upon me and it wasn't something, you know, with, with the, my sisters were like, I saw all the Disney films and stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so all these sorts of ones I, I missed along the way, a lot of action films and stuff. But you could say with some pretty confident hindsight that uh, young Eric would have... Young Eric would have loved it, just because just of the planes and the flying around. Um, older Eric was bemused by it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> good adjective. <laughs> yeah. um, the first half was, I'll be honest, it was pretty shitty. Um, but by the second half, it was sort of coming coming strong. Like, I was a bit more invested in, in the characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, it- it's it's clunky as like it's it's a it's a blockbuster, um, but it's it's not even. It, I think I was trying to figure this out. Is it because we're spoiled by having seen good? Yeah, and I'm like just... seeing like because this is really a film that acted as a blueprint for what action films yeah. would become. I, I know it's it's you know there are other films you could argue to that point, but. I think in terms of production design, the way it's shot, in particular the way it's edited, the, mm. the action sequence, the quick, quick, quick cutting, is kind of revolutionary. Yeah, some of that was pretty cool. Uh, where I guess where I it, it got clunky for me, so yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to put a snobby eye only like Mad Max no, Fury no. Road on my... Um, but we were talking when we were watching the film, the first action sequence... Um, which is a flight sequence out at sea before Maverick gets accepted into Top Gun. Um, you just you, you don't know what's going on. Like the way it's shot, you, you sort of know that Maverick's trying to be on one guy's tail, but then not, and then he's somewhere else. And the, the shots themselves don't guide you. You've got to listen to the dialogue to know yeah. what's actually going on. The shots don't lead you very well. Um, there's no horizon line because it's blue on blue yeah (laughs) and there's a lot of just cool shots of planes flipping and banking and barrel rolling for no particular reason yeah um, which looks awesome and um, but yeah I just found you you didn't really know what was going on you just had to listen a lot and they'd be saying out loud a lot of exposition exactly what they were doing and 
he's behind me and I've got missile lock and stuff like that. So you've got to follow it through the audio rather than really, you, you couldn't tell what was really, you couldn't watch it unfold in front of you at all. Yeah. Um, that being said, like I can imagine when this film first came out, in, in particular in cinemas in 1986, mm. it would blow your mind. Yeah. Like, it, it is, it's like all, hats off to them for attempting what they did. But yeah, I like think it's just, by modern day standards, it doesn't, the, the action set pieces don't hold up. Yeah, I think what does is pretty cool though is the technology, I yes. guess, in terms of like we're saying, you know, they use... It's all practical. It's all practical. They use Navy pilots um, and things like that. They, uh, we, we were discussing about the planes, now I'm not an, uh, an expert, but they use Tomcats, the big double engine, you know, fighter and co-pilot and whether they use that so they could have two characters in the same cockpit and build the Maverick Goose relationship. I think so because otherwise who's he talking to? Yeah, you did there, there, no, there is no literal Yeah, you'd ha- yeah. <laughs> I think if they'd done that they'd have to write two pilots like one's each other's wingman and you'd have to have he let him down or something happened. Yeah, you'd yeah. You'd have to do it slightly differently. Or did they choose the plane, though, that just looks the coolest? I, I think it has <laughs> to be a combination. It, yeah. it, it's got to be a both. Like, it, it's a bit of both, I think. Like, those are very unique planes, that with, yeah. them, with the moving wings. And the amount of times they're, sh- they're shot in silhouette against a sunset. Yeah, <laughs> they like... use light really well. Yeah. And um, and the footage on the aircraft carrier as well. Like, yeah. the takeoff, the landing, the flight crew, and the deck so crew. So much stuff. B-roll. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's... It's awesome, and as a kid, you would I would have loved that, and you can see why they would have used it ultimately. And maybe oh. we'll talk about it later. Is oh it yeah, a bit yeah. Of a we'll, we'll get into that. Drive, but it, it, I find it the action set pieces really interesting in that, like the the key ones are there's I suppose three major ones mm. that are supposed to really have an impact, and that's the first one, yep. the one where Goose dies, and then yep. the final one. Mm-hmm. But to me, all three of those are... Uh, maybe the Goose Dying one, uh, to, to a lesser extent, but definitely the first and the last. They are very clunky, and they're very yeah. kind of hard to follow. There's just a lot of shit going on. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, to me, I found I was found the most engaging and interesting actions, and to be honest, the most well-shot ones, were the training exercises in the yeah, desert. Yeah, the one where he had to fly against Michael Ironside. Yeah, um, it was very clear in the way that they shot it. Like, you know what's happening. And, yeah. And I'm wondering if that's just because of having the advantage of a horizon line. Yeah, or the one-on-one. Yeah. It was much clearer one-on-one. Um, and also that... you knew what the objective was. Yes. Yeah. That bugged me at the end. Yeah, <laughs> we, yes. So the final scene, like... <laughs> We didn't even know what the mission was about. All of a sudden, they're just flown out there. you got to escort some uh, an evacuation. And then they abandon that. And then all of a sudden... One guy gets shot down. <laughs> there's five MiGs in the air. They, they, they shoot down four of them. And then they come back to a massive fanfare for doing... Just surviving? For surviving, basically. <laughs> and then it's like, what and are you going to do now, son, after one mission? <laughs> he's done one mission. He graduated, he, did one mission. Another one of his, uh, co- his fellow pilots and his, and his co-pilot died. But then, then they, oh, eject- no, they, no, they ejected. They ejected. They ejected. Okay, they because then they were miraculously there in the crowd scene at the end. Oh, that's right, they were. Yeah. <laughs> Which was even more baffling. So it was, it was very bizarre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So story- anyway, how many action films have a great storyline? Yeah, The Rock. <laughs> yeah, The Rock, Tam Strait, and Conair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's... I don't I mean, know, it's not... It, it's kind of got elements of a character study. Maverick's character is pretty... is a pretty central focus. Like, him 
as a person. Like his his name is Maverick. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's not subtle like that. Well, like what is that? Is essentially the film just a glossy character study, really? Because there's there's very little in the way of there's not story much... arc, which we'll we'll kind of get to. We'll just talk yeah, about the characters. Yeah, I, I think you got to say that the character drives everything really. Like yeah, in terms of plot, it is flashy pilot. Goes to flashy pilot school. Yeah, he's an arrogant dick. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some other like. Actually, the other pilots really aren't. They weren't what I thought. They'd be more arrogance amongst them. Really, I mean, Iceman's just like knows he's good, but that's about it. Yeah, Iceman and uh, and but that's the thing. Like every time Iceman goes up against Maverick or like has a complaint, it's warranted. It's really warranted. I did not expect that. <laughs> yeah, I went in expecting t- the, the it's typical like unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, I was expecting the typical butting of heads, bravado. It's like. No, Iceman just plays by the rules. <laughs> yeah. He's good because he plays by the rules. Yeah. Maverick is good because he doesn't play yeah. by the rules. And that was all. That was it. And then, and then you got Hollywood and Wolfman who was like, "God, guys, <laughs> come on, fellas." And, oh, oh yeah, and then you just got Goose going along for the ride. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Goose is like the best character. In this Goose film. is actually no, um, and yeah. it's which leads me to like, in terms of character portrayal, I think. Anthony Edwards is like the gold star champion of this film as Goose. I yeah. mean, he 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 know and he knows it's not a game. Yeah, he's, and he knows what type of film he's in at the same time. Yes. Yeah, he's he's kind of like the well, he's named Goose. Yeah. Like he's kind of there as a comedic relief, but he's not a but derpy not really. comedic relief pick-on kind of guy. He's actually the friendly guy that everybody likes. Yeah, which is like when he does, like, everyone liked that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, he's he's in there, he's a friend, he, he must be good at his, whatever it is he does, apart from look behind him. <laughs> yeah, the what is their job? The navigators don't get a look in Especially at all. Especially Tim Robbins at the end, he's got his hands up on the windows <laughs> and standing around. All they seem to do is look behind them. Yeah. Like, obviously they do everything to get them to that point, and that's about it. <laughs> they're, they're blind spot checker. Yeah, that's that seems to be, is. they're just like a set of wing mirrors. Um, but, uh, I'm wondering your impression of Tom Cruise's performance in this film. Yeah, it, I it, think... Because I think there are two ways you can read it, in that it is just atypical movie star, blockbuster, yep. base level role. Or do you think he actually does bring some subtle nuance to his performance in that like there's there's maybe one or two scenes that you could argue that being the case that it's almost a performance within a performance yeah this was something i I read recently the the idea that he is playing he's tom cruise playing pete mitchell playing maverick oh yeah okay i see what you mean yep yeah um and that you get maybe two or three scenes in the film where you actually see Pete Mitchell, you know, yeah, yeah. himself. I think, yeah, if you're going to say there was a Pete Mitchell moment, it was after Goose died. And to and when she and when he's telling Kelly McGillis about his dad, I guess. After yeah, there's those more like reserved the, the ghosts quiet of moments. his father's past or his unknown, for some reason, classified information. Yeah, um, weird. Well, actually, no, we, we found out why. It's because they must have been flying missions above Cambodia. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> Colonel's yeah. like... We can't tell the public, apparently, because of some line on a map. <laughs> like, yeah, Jesus. that's, like, legitimately a reason. Because you, you, you weren't meant to be there. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, I think I think a really important thing about Tom Cruise in this film is... 
I don't know if anyone else could have done that role the way he did it. Mm. He had more charisma than anyone else. Ex- yeah. Goose has his own subtle charisma. I don't know. Okay, maybe if you unleashed Val Kilmer as the lead, but you'd have to make him pretty kooky. No, but Val Kilmer oddly works as this pseudo villain. Yeah, because he's he's a little bit skeezy looking, but yeah, he still plays it level in his dialogue, and, and, he, and do- his he doesn't have the swagger and the comp. It's it's all about Tom Cruise's smile. Yes, exactly. Tom Cruise's smile, and 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 we were talking about it a couple of times during the film. There's a couple of moments where he's. Like Kelly uh, McGillis. Kelly McGillis, yeah. Kelly McGillis, whatever her character's name was. Charlie? Yeah, Charlie, Charlie? that's right. Um, Something like that. Um, There are a few times when Tom Cruise wasn't arrogant. Something had gone awfully wrong. One time he was getting totally chastised, and another time he found out some bad news or something. And his hair wasn't slicked back. It was very much like the way they directed and cameraed him, and they put him in, like... And he just dropped the smile off his face completely. And it was just a real change in, like, I don't know whether it's direction or whatever. It was obviously some makeup involved. Um, but they totally cowed him as a character. Mm. And he just, like, stood out immediately. It's like, oh, he's not smiling like an arrogant dude. Yeah, there is actually <laughs> somewhat of an arc and characterization happening here, which. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't the most subtle change. No. But I guess in a movie like this, it doesn't need to be. This is quite possibly one of the most unsubtle films ever put yeah. on celluloid. <laughs> yeah, like there's just there's just some random stuff in there. Like, uh, I mean, even Kelly McGillis's character's almost not required. Like, she is totally unnecessary. Yeah, like she's just in there to literally but, to prove that Maverick isn't gay. Pretty much, actually. Like, like, like all it is, is like what is her point in you, the film? Like, she she's introduced. She gets exposition out of Maverick in terms of his backstory and his issues with his yep, father. Yep. She has sex with Maverick. Yep. And then then they become a distraction to each other. Oh no, before that, their relationship may not continue because she'll have to tell him off in the classroom when he's breaking the rules. But then but they then, have sex. Yeah, there's literally... It's the weirdest sequence of events. They... She subtly goes on a date with him or invites him around for dinner. Yeah. Like, you know, she's not supposed to, but she does. And Berlin starts playing softly. Yes. But doesn't get to the vocals yet. No. They have dinner. He leaves. And, like, you know, they have a nice date and nothing happens and he leaves. Cut to... They see each other immediately. Immediately after. It's them in an elevator together. And he's just had a shower for some reason, and he's in the elevator. Yeah, and it's like an awkward sexual tension scene. Again, Berlin starts to subtly play. Yeah, plays for maybe a little bit longer. Once again, no vocals. Yeah, and then there's a third scene. Where where does that one take So the third scene is in the classroom after they're going through a training exercise, and Maverick makes, as usual, a pretty aggressive manoeuvre that he probably shouldn't have done. Mm. Definitely against textbook. And she, as the analysis... uh, uh, in the analytics role that she performs or whatever, she says, whilst the outcome of the, this mission was a success, the manner in which it was conducted was incorrect, therefore it's a fail, mm. essentially. She tells Maverick that, you know, he's flying, is reckless, basically. And he's not happy with that at all, and she's trying to talk to him afterwards, and he's on his motorbike revving it too loud, saying, what's that? I can't hear you. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> and then she, like, chases him down in the car. So it's like... And then, you know, it's that awkward sexual tension. Again, that, like, confrontation of, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, and then she's like, I just wanted to say that whilst in the... You know, you did 
you're also one of the best pilots I've ever seen and I think I like you or something along those lines Berlin kicks in hardcore Berlin drops and you get a blue light silhouetted sex scene that Tony Scott loved to do in the 80s (laughs) yeah It's it's the true romance sex scene all over again yeah but it's it's three scenes that consecutively happen. Just bang, bang, bang. With awkward editing in mm. terms of you the, you can't tell the passage of time. Not at all. And it's literally the same purpose occurs three times in a row. Yeah. It, it's, it's totally unnecessary. And then after they have sex, the only time you see her again is when she briefly comforts him after Goose dies. That is literally like, I'm sorry. By the way, I got a job in Washington. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and then she comes back at the end, and it's supposed to be impactful. And you just yeah. like, your character was... Yeah. Served literally no purpose. Yeah, so it's... You know, it, it's like, it, it's, she could have served purpose. She could have been written yeah. in, and there could have been more emotional involvement, and the, then that the, final scene would have meant a lot. The best way, and it's honest, <laughs> I'm again drawn back to Hot Shots and why it's a better <laughs> film, if she wasn't a government agent trying to find out flight capabilities of Niggs, and, yeah. but was instead the psychologist for the Top Gun pilots, <laughs> yeah. it is a more, I mean, it's not necessarily a more subtle way, but it, it's <laughs> an easier way to get your exposition out of your character, as yeah. opposed to literally just having him sit on a wicker chair and tell about his dad. Like, it's, yeah. it, 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 it's a way you could have had a more meaningful arc between those two characters. It's a way, you and, know, you could have had depth to... And you could that. have used the same amount of screen time. Yeah. You wouldn't have extended the run of the film or anything like that. So you could have kept your, your blockbuster and things like that. And um, it would have given you a great excuse to actually have them have scenes together. Hmm. Because right. at this point... He just gets them out of the way in the middle of the film. He's like, and we've done that part. Yeah, and it's just like, oh god, I get, where, how do we get them together now? I don't know, an elevator. Yeah, that'll do. Like, um, then we can make it awkward because another guy will get in and yeah. then he'll get out. And just to prolong the scene for 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't... I, I feel I feel kind of bad for Kelly McGillis because she's not great in this film either. Cause I, I, but I don't think that's necessarily her fault. I don't think she gets... None of them really get a lot of direction, I don't think. None of them get anything to do. <laughs> no, they really don't. Like, it, is, it is literally... It's pretty bare bones. It's a star vehicle for Tom Cruise and Jets. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and on that level, like it's, it would have been very entertaining at the time, and as young Eric would have freaking loved it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rewatching it, it's, it's got lots of gaps. <laughs> one of the, I mean, one of the, speaking of pointless scenes, the volleyball scene, we have to talk about. Yeah. God, once God. again, having never seen that film, I knew all about the volleyball scene because it's just that infamous, I guess. Yeah, it is. Watching it now, it, it's not as bad as I remember it being. No, it's just it, pointless. It, it's super pointless and it is literally just to look at these greased up men. Yeah, like, it's just like... It's exploitive. That's the... It's, yeah, and it was also like... All it did is it had Maverick and Goose facing off against Iceman and... Slider. Slider. <laughs> Wherever, obviously like small hamburgers. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was it. So it was once... I guess all it did is it, it still maintained the rivalry. Like it showed that even on the volleyball court, yeah. court they're competitive. 
and that was mostly it. Maverick didn't want to be there that much, um, and there was just a volleyball game just because they're and not it was just a competitive. Chance to get another song in. Yes, it, it's just kind of a music video. Yeah, almost. that's true. Actually, it was a music video. It was just to sh- maybe give a bit more depth to the rivalry that is not just about the the points. But so, it's, it didn't it's really like just show that in an in one of your flight actions. Like incorporate that into one of your flight sequences. Don't... Yes, because they never fly off against each other. Exactly. That's Ever. the other weird thing. Like when it hit the finale, you were just like, "Sweet, we finally get to see Val Kilmer in a plane." Yeah, he, he flew <laughs> twice in the whole film. Yeah, keep hearing how he's the best, but he's he, never actually. He won. His name is on the wall at Top Gun Academy, <laughs> <laughs> and we saw him fly for fifteen seconds or something. Yeah. And, and, in and, the, and in those 15 seconds, he held ghosts. <laughs> like, yeah, comfortably the best pilot. Yeah. He's the only one responsible for a fatality. Um, <laughs> Winner. Yeah, nice one, Val. It's, that, yeah. I think my, my only other, flaw, like, major problem with the film is uh, the underuse of Michael Ironside. If you have yeah. Michael Ironside, you <laughs> use Michael use... Ironside. Yeah. You don't relegate him to ADR <laughs> exposition voiceover. Yeah, you got a lot of ex- exposition oh. over. Yeah, like you were saying, during the film, obviously they didn't film some scenes or realise later they needed a bit more storytelling. They needed to explain, so it's like literally shots of jets taking off and Michael Ironside being like, Alright, so here's what we're doing today. <laughs> this is where we're at in the film. This is where our character arcs are. Uh, Iceman is leading by two points, but Maverick can still catch him. <laughs> There's still one week to go before graduation. You guys must do this. And I hear Maverick's having issues with Charlie. <laughs> yeah. And it's like just a mirrored shot of the last time they used air um, plane footage. Yeah, it's, uh, it's... But I understand. Like, I, I'm... Talk, talk for a second. I'm sorry. I'm just going to look up how what the budget was for this, actually. Yeah. No, I guess ultimately... Um, like I said earlier, the first half, first core, let's say the whole first act, I, I wasn't really that interested at all. I was like, oh, this is definitely not holding up. Um, but by the end, I was, I was pretty entertained. Like, I don't regret sitting down for, you know, 90 minutes or whatever and watching that film. Yeah, you can um, understand how and why it is. Definitely why it was so popular, why it would have done, I'm assuming, quite well. <laughs> Whoa, um... Uh, production budget NA. Come on, that's not nice. <laughs> that's not enough. Uh, but yeah, and it's a total dom- uh, domestic gross. So that's... Um, I'll go, yeah, in the US, domestic gross, $176 million. Is that a lot for the time? For 1986, yeah, that's yeah. huge. I was going to say, like, I'm like, now that's not good enough. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is 30 years ago. I'm like, what's yeah. the relative... Uh... Yeah, adjusted for inflation, that would be... Huge. Worldwide, 356 million. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It did okay. Opening uh, weekend, 8 million. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. No, and you, you can definitely see why. It's it's light-hearted. You don't have to think that much. Um, it's It doesn't stop moving, I guess. You've got to give it credit for that. You don't sit there getting bored at any particular time because they're talking about technicality too much. Um, they do throw in training exercises at pretty good intervals, so you kind of keep keep seeing planes fly around and you keep seeing Maverick being a Maverick or almost stuffing up and things like that and you're just like oh he's going to get Goose killed and then he didn't which I almost thought was an opportunity missed as a storytelling arc I thought I was expecting that Maverick's Maverick behaviour would lead to Goose's demise and that would drive But I think by doing that you make him an irredeemable character Yes you destroy him as a character that's true Yeah so it, it needed to be 
the, the point where he actually was doing the right thing is it, it was just a happenstance. It was an yeah. accident. The one time to, he actually did the right thing. Yeah, it was. He was starting to learn, and then it's you know. Yeah. It yeah he couldn't have been responsible that would have been and you couldn't have you know Val Kilmer be responsible you couldn't have it needed to be the accident, accident. thing yeah. yeah so yeah I guess um probably a good time to talk about the the uh, Navy Air Force recruitment strategy of the film yeah uh, just before we do that I did find the adjusted grosses oh yeah uh four hundred and twenty six point nine million adjusted it is the hundred and fourteenth highest grossing film of all time adjusted. Yeah, right. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. There've been quite a few films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it ranks just above Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. What? But below How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's got an extra how 25 years on Harry Potter or whatever. Yeah, Harry true. will catch up. But <laughs> um, the Grinch is above Harry Potter. Uh, and Top Gun. <laughs> wow. The Grinch made nearly half a billion dollars, I apparently. guess it's a Christmas film. You kind of keep... Selling something. I, I guess, yeah. Anyway, that's not on the list, ladies and gentlemen. No. So. <laughs> but yeah, like, you, what you were saying, we'll move on to some of the interesting stuff about... Yeah, the sort of the backstory, the, sidey things of the film itself. Yeah, you you kind of made the joke while watching the film of, like, how, <laughs> how many people must this film have recruited. Because mm. it is literally... A giant, glossy recruitment video. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. It, it doesn't make... It doesn't show any darkness to being in the Navy at all, even when Goose dies. Like, no, everyone's super stoked. <laughs> every, everyone's like, oh, we're so sorry, you're such a nice guy, this happens. Which is a weird, like, mi- super missed opportunity. Where was the military funeral? That's a very good point. He didn't Where go- was, there was no s- opportunity to have a sadness arc. They didn't, they skipped it, didn't they? They really did. They acknowledged that he, he died and it was a sad thing, but they did acknowledge, I guess they had to acknowledge in the military people die. Yeah, um, but that was but kind I think of that like would have been the... way more impactful if you had actually lingered and shown like it its impact more. It's literally ten minutes he dies, and then ten minutes later they're at graduation. And be like, all right, we gotta go. But if you're trying to recruit people, you don't want to linger on the sadness of death, which is true. But like, and would, uh, I... but that leads to the whole argument of like, were the filmmakers implicitly trying to make a recruitment tool? Uh, it depends who's uh, producing, doesn't it? Uh, well, it was Paramount Pictures, oh, yeah. okay. um, who I, th- I think they looked very favourably in that, like, towards that slant because of the participation that they got from the Ob- Navy. Obvious, I'm assuming the Navy and Air Force, etc., gave them very discount rates. <laughs> yeah, very discount rates. And then uh, there was something else I found out that was kind of interesting. Um <clears throat> Paramount Pictures offered to play... Uh, well, I'll, I'll just read this whole chunk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, motion picture producer John Davies claimed that Top Gun was a recruiting video for the Navy. It really helped their recruitment. Uh, people saw the movie and said, Wow, I want to be a pilot. The United States Navy stated that after the release of the film, the numbers of young men who enlisted and wanted to be naval aviators went up by 500%. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah. Uh, a year after Top Gun was released, the US military saw an increase of 20,000 uniform personnel. Gosh, just in time for that 
uh, unpredictable golf war. Yeah, <laughs> good timing, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Paramount Pictures offered to place a 90-second Navy recruitment advertisement at the beginning of the video cassette for Top Gun <laughs> in exchange for $1 million in credit towards their debt to the military for production assistance. Wow. Yeah. An internal memo to the Pentagon from an advertising agency rejected the offer, noting that both the mo- uh, that the movie had already been a wonderful recruiting tool for the military. <laughs> and we didn't need any extra boost. And to add a recruitment commercial onto the head of an already two-hour-long recru- recruitment commercial would be redundant. <laughs> we don't need another 90 seconds of recruitment. Yeah, we've already got two hours of it. <laughs> So, yeah. Wow! I mean, it was pretty funny. <coughs> we noticed in one of one of the one of the many locker room scenes. The, oh, it was the one where Maverick, <laughs> Tom Cruise, was trying to get Goose to look at his ball. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> what a bizarre scene! But there was a, there was a Navy recruitment poster in the background of that scene that yeah. was in comfortably within frame and it, well well placed, perfectly lit and framed, saying like you know, join the Navy. It's not a job; it's an adventure. Yeah, like, yeah. So um, yeah, they weren't they weren't very subtle. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's an okay film. Yeah, I, it's okay. I'm expecting plenty of other films, action films around that similar time to be better. Yeah. And I'm expecting others to be worse. Oh yeah. Th- it, it's definitely kind of a nice middle ground. I yeah. Think. And, and I, I guess you got to look at it once again from the, what, what rating to have a PG? PG. Of, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's aimed to appeal to everybody. It's not like Predator. No, no. Like, Predator is is great. It's pretty full on. Yeah, it's it, definitely not for everybody. I remember seeing part of Predator randomly at a friend's house when I was young, early on in the film, where one of the guys gets totally splattered. Yeah, and they just find his like messed up corpse, and just like as like an eight year old, I was like, "What on earth is this? This is movies. <laughs> this is, this is films." <laughs> so um, yes, it wasn't that at all. You no. just had not Russian Migs. Yeah. <laughs> There's really no violence in the film, I suppose, other There's... than like some explosions and a little bit of blood on Goose's head. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a fairly... The, the sex scene's kind of borderline for PG. Like, it's... it's it's. Yeah, I think for an 80s sex scene, it's, oh, it's, it's fine. very fine. These yeah. days, I mean, it's still pretty nothing, but... Um, That's the thing, like, there's nothing in this film that warrants it being, you know, definitely. higher than a PG rating. I mean, so. I was expecting Maverick to punch Goose at some stage. That didn't even happen. No. Nah, nah. That wasn't a true rival. <laughs> it really wasn't. It just was Maverick wanted to win, that was all. It was um, just, you needed to have the antith- like, a character be the antith- antithesis of him. Like, yes. just being, you know... By the book, but still sort of wanting to be the best. Arrogant by the book versus arrogant and reckless. Like, yep. that's... Yeah, one has brown hair, the other has blonde. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's literally... One chews gum, the other doesn't. Yeah, no, they both kind of chew gum. They both kind of chew gum, yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting, I just saw that uh, <laughs> Take My Breath Away won an Academy Award for Best Song. Really? Was that for the film? Yeah. There you go. Good old Berlin and Giorgio Moroda. But um, <clears throat> the one thing I did want to bring up is that the film in 2015 was inducted into the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress. I, okay. That might occur. This I, I bring it up because I think there are a few other films we'll end up seeing that have that distinction. And yeah. I think that's like a massive... I was say, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? That's a massive <laughs> mark. That means it's considered one of the great pieces um, of American film, film art. Yep. And it's preserved in the 
fault in the Library of Congress. Yeah, so okay. It's, it's, it, it serves as an impactful thing, so I'm just wondering, like, your kind of take on that. Is that yeah. warranted, I guess? I think for the global impact it had, it probably... And it continues to be famous for both the right and the funny reasons. Mm. Like... It doesn't date in terms of racism or anything like that. Yeah, there's um, no, it is fairly... It, it's pretty, like... It, with the lack of cell phones is really about the only thing that could really... Yeah, like... all the cars are already vintage cars for no apparent reason. Yeah, that's all they could find, obviously. Just old <laughs> Chevys and stuff. Everyone um, in Fighter Town, USA drives an old it, Chevy. Yeah. <laughs> Back in time. Uh, um, yeah, I think it's just perhaps... It'd be interesting just to see from a heritage point of view or whatever they look at it, their criteria, what it actually, what boxes it ticked. But I think, like, you look at that film, you look at early Tom Cruise, American action blockbuster, like, that is one of the biggest representatives in the 80s of a big mainstream everybody summer blockbustery style. Yeah. Its impact on popular culture and the, the landscape of film and media, I think, warrants at that spot and I suppose that's also why we picked it as the first film to talk about in this series yeah I mean it's it's a good combination of just cheesy dated a bit still just kind of yeah you, you'll always it's just referencing all sorts of stuff and at the end of the day it's got Danger Zone everybody knows Danger Zone um, <laughs> it's in the film three times mm. um, was it only three? only three I was That's counting so Berlin's Take My Breath Away was in I think it was only three as well really? yeah I was doing a little bit of a song count because they, t- they did like to repeat use of their songs in the film yeah um, Danger Zone got used twice really early on obviously yeah. in the, the opening credits pretty much no it, it opening... capped off the end credits it, it yeah. was after it said directed by Tony Scott it kicks in that's right and then again as soon as he moved to Top Gun Academy he was yeah. riding on his motorbike he's like I freaking made it to Top Gun Academy yeah. and then one other time yeah it's it's. I think once again fairly it kind of moves on the to the back burner because the the Top Gun theme by Harold Faltermeyer kind of takes yeah its place eventually yeah and maybe that's maybe that's his shifting character from just being a danger zone kind of guy to a actually sensible I'm in the navy now yeah I, I don't need to be in the, on a highway to the danger zone I need to be in the top gun theme yeah yes. <laughs> graduate from kick, kick town to fighter town yeah well I guess that will probably wrap us up for I think so yeah our first episode looking at top gun yeah um yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I don't it's feel fine. an urge to rush off and see it again anytime yeah. soon. I mean, I could rewatch Mighty Ducks a bucket load of times. But, <laughs> yeah. um, Top should, Gun. Should that be like the rating criteria, like how it compares against Mighty Ducks? <laughs> it's probably a good starting point. <laughs> it's, like that'd be an interesting thing. Like uh, we kind of see where they kind of stack up against each other. I think that'll be fun. Through. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I think that'll work quite well. How much so adult we- Eric would like it compared to young Eric? So yeah. Young Eric, I really do think would have would have enjoyed this a lot, and then as he became an adult, he probably would have started to laugh at it more. Notices the holes, <laughs> Notices the, the yeah. gaps everywhere, and the, 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 the gold loses its luster. Yeah, but uh, as a kid, definitely would have, as even as a t- like as a teenager, would have loved it. Um, now it's definitely um, it was still fun to watch, um, yeah. and I think it, it's still a relatively important film from what it is and stuff. But yeah. uh, I expect others to exceed it. I expect certain others to, to drop well below. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Look, knowing the list, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah there'll be some uh, hilarious ones in there, but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we've what we figured we'll do for in terms of, like, choosing 
films as we go. I think we, we've compiled a fairly massive list, so what we're going to do to start is... <coughs> so, excuse me. Uh, we're going to kind of pick maybe about 20 or so that we think are the key ones, the really important ones that Eric hasn't seen, and kind of tackle those ones first. And then, uh, once we're done with those main ones, I think we might end up, you know, drawing from a hat and kind of trying to bring some randomness into it, I guess. Yeah, or we may even commence some randomness early. We yeah. might get those top 20 and just pull one out of a hat and yeah. that'll be the one we'll do. Yeah. Um, really doesn't matter. We're not doing it in spine order this time around. No, no, no. Like it's that. not like the Criterion Quest, that other wonderful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very different films in this collection. Yes. Um. Um, yeah, but um, we have decided on what film we're going to do next yeah, time. We have picked the next one. Um, as a kid, I only saw the first half of this film a couple of times. It's on TV a lot. Um, and that is E.T. Yes, I haven't seen E.T. Yeah, that's that's a shocking one to me. Because, <laughs> yeah, this right? is one of Chris's all-time favourites. I, I <sighs> Or special place films. It's special place yeah. film, and I, it's one where I would probably put it in the top five Spielberg films of all time. And I would too, and I haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no I, I'm expecting big things from E.T. I, yes. I have seen the start a few times, um, and I, I think it was just on TV all the time when I was a kid. Um, but then, you know... It'd be my bedtime or something, and I just never finish watching it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, no, I'm really looking forward to, to, to E.T. That'll be good. Great. Um, yeah, well, I guess that'll wrap us up for this first episode. Um, yeah, if I was going to say, if you uh, have any suggestions of films you think Eric might not have seen, just like random, or films that you think are like classic 80s or 90s films, uh, you're welcome to throw out suggestions to us. Uh, you can do that by following me, uh, finding me on Twitter. Uh, I go by at Criterion Quest, which is the uh, other podcast we do that's also housed on our website, The Talking Pictures, uh, where we look at a little bit more serious films. Yep. So you're, yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> more globally important. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Eric, you've been a guest on that many times. Yeah, it's so. fantastic. There's some very interesting stuff on there. So if you're if you're looking for something that's less cheap, less Top Gun and more say like foreign language, yeah, <laughs> jump jump over and have a listen to that podcast. Not always foreign language, no. But um, yeah. In the meantime, uh, yeah. If you have any suggestions, please uh, send them to me on Twitter. Uh, but we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm Eric. Thanks for joining. I'm Chris. I don't know how to Tom usually signs off. <laughs> we need Tom. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>